All right, roll for initiative. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a roll again. Tabletop, lock, motion, everything in between. The only way I win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on a roll again. Tabletop, lock, motion, everything in between. Welcome to the first episode of season four of the Honor Roll Podcast. Gosh, four seasons. Where we talk about tabletop, LARP, mush, and everything in between. I'm Ryan the curmudgeon, and joining me, as always, is Carrie the legend. Hello, hello. And Jason, the favorite. Yeah, I'm also the one who's rediscovered how great house slippers are recently. They're so comfy. You're so old. <laughs> We also have some NPCs who make this show possible. NPCs, of course, are non-podcasting characters, and those are our backers on our Patreon. Uh, And, of course, if you are at the wizard level or higher, you get a shout-out on this podcast. So let's talk about our NPCs, Carrie. All right. We have Noah Coltrip, a level four healer. Hmm. We have Joel Eastland, an Atherotheurge. Josh Heath, who is master of the fourth circle. I've heard he's starting a new tabletop game tonight over Zoom. Oh, really? What is it? I'm glad you asked. Tonight, Josh is running a brand new game called Core. You might be asking yourself, what does Core, C-O-R, stand for? Well, I'll tell you. It stands for Coefficient of Restitution. That's right. It's the bounciness of a Major League Baseball. That ratio normally ranges from 0.53 to 0.57, but, you know, that average cord started to trend down over the last few years, and so the company Rawlings has start, decided to loosen the tension on the first three wool windings of that ball, and they think that that's going to bring that COR down. But in this game, your life is actually measured not with, like, health levels, but by pitches. And the average lifespan of a character is seven pitches. Josh will literally run anything. It's true. So who else do we have, Carrie? We have Drew Stevens, who is a fourth generation. We have Ryan Martin, who is the OST of our hearts. (laughs) We have Corpses and Curios, the podcast. And then last, we have Sarah, the patron saint of honor roll. Well, if you'd like to be an NPC and get a shout out on the show, we'd love to give you one. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash honor roll podcast and become a patron. Depending on the level you choose to support our program, you also get shout outs, free art prints, postcards, and more. We have one more thing to do with our Patreon. Though. Oh, really? Well, because it's the start of the new season, I thought it would be nice to go back and name some of our other patrons. Oh, some of the lower level folks? Yes, but they all still get a shout out at least once. Maybe they'll level up. Maybe you can level up and become an NPC. Sure. Who else do we have? All right. So besides Noah, Joel, Josh, Drew, Ryan, Corpses and Curios, and Sarah, we have James Davey, we have Joe Terranova, and we have Tanya Evans. Very nice. So there. Very nice. Sweet. Sweet. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were who knows where because oh it was God, so, so long, long ago. This has been an extended break between seasons, and I guess we probably owe our folks a little apology for that and point out that the reason that that's happened is because uh, I got a new job, Carrie had surgery, and Jason's been working his butt off uh, during an outage. Yeah, it's been cr- pretty crazy. Yes, it has been. Timing's been rough. So what's new with you, Jason? Well, I'm not working an outage anymore, so I'm trying to, you know, deal with the normal post-outage depression. And also I bought some role-playing books that look really cool. Morkborg, 
which I was going to show to you. Then I remember that my camera's not working today. <laughs> Morkboard uh, sounds, it sounds like a joke. Uh, it is sort of, is it like, like this? that? It's a, it's a inspired by Norwegian death metal game. It's kind of a really simple, straightforward system. It's mostly about atmosphere and the art is incredible. Huh. Uh, it's also got a really tightly designed uh, adventure in the back. Uh, the book is all about atmosphere and can be hard to read sometimes, but the adventure is very tight and very good. Nice. I also got Thirsty Sword Lesbians, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I've heard good things. I, I have heard I have good, heard good things, too. What about you, Carrie? What have you been doing? Well, I yeeted my uterus. Yes. And so I'm, I'm so in. So you're uterus free now? I am uterus free. I get it now. I get why you guys are always so happy. You don't have a uterus. I, I, I definitely would not want one. <laughs> So yeah, so I'm in. I'm recouping from that, and I've just been doing lots and lots of art. Anything good? I, I mean, you know, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> it's good for your age. Good for my age. <laughs> now I started up a, a T Public site for for T-shirts and stuff, and you know, it's been slow but steady. So that's nice. Awesome. Yeah. The watercolors you've been doing your stream look very uh, interesting. I love them. Thank you. Yeah, I've been doing lots of fairy stuff recently. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. What have you been up to, Ryan? Well, I have a new job, and Yay. some of the cool things that I've been doing some really cool things with that. I don't know if if folks on here really care, but uh, <laughs> I'm I'm producing another podcast as part of that job. <gasps> How yeah. dare you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait a second. You do another <laughs> podcast too. Uh, I'm I've been working on Dare to Explore, which is a podcast for Space Camp and the U.S. Space and Rocket Center out in Huntsville, and I've gotten to interviews like some really famous. NASA and and scientists and and just really cool uh, historical people. All right, that's way fancier than Werewolf the Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, if, if folks want to check that out, they can. They can find it on wherever podcast stuff is. It's called There to Explore. We can we can put a link up for it. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, otherwise, just kind of getting settled into the rhythms of having a different job. So, there we go. But we're back. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to say that your job seems terrible, like that week that you had to go down to Disney World and work really hard the whole time you were there. Oh, come on. I only worked from Epcot one day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it seemed miserable. It seemed miserable. It was pretty rough. Next month, I've got to work from Universal Studios with my wife and daughter. So that's going to be hard too. That's going to be a lot more challenging. Yeah. And, and that's two days. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention to everyone, we also have a Discord now. Oh. So everyone should nice. come, come join our Discord because it's just me nice. posting memes right now and a couple of people that are nice enough to respond. Yeah. So what, everyone should come talk to me. What's our dis- where can our Discord be found? Uh, on a roll, I believe. Well, all right. On a roll. That's that where, sounds right. That is where I would have put it. All right. I mean, all right. Well done. All right. Well done. Hmm. Plot twist. What? Oh, that's right. All right, so this is uh, the time where we're going to talk about that thing we think is really cool right now. And it's a plot twist. Surprise! Yeah. So today, the thing that we think is really cool is the Awful Cheerful Engine. This is a brand new uh, role-playing game that is currently on Kickstarter, and it's created by uh, Russ Morrissey. Uh, Most people know him as Morris. He's like the founder of of Ian World, which is the, the role-playing game news site that does the Ennies. Yeah. Yeah, and so this is like this really cool new Kickstarter. You can find it 
on Kickstarter because that's where Kickstarters are found. Generally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's called an, The Awful Cheerful Engine, an RPG of action comedy. And it's basically it's a sandbox game where you can insert any sort of game into their system. But the system is this really cool, simple D6 system. And when you back it on Kickstarter, it comes with the the core book and then like four extra sort of universes for you to play in. Um, one of them, one of them is like Indiana Jones and one of them is like Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Yeah. And another one is like strange, wacky science. And another one is sort of like an old school Star trek kind of, uh, science fiction thing. So anyway, everybody should go, uh, check that out on Kickstarter cause it's pretty inexpensive and, and like pretty cool. That was our plot twist. Yeah. Surprise! It was really very uneventful and kind of anticlimactic. Well, you know. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes you do a plot twist and you go, aha! And everyone goes, yeah, we saw that coming. <laughs> and that's okay. Sometimes that's the twist, is that it was expected. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sometimes the plot twist is on you, the DM. Mm. All right, let's go to combat rounds. <laughs> Our new music makes me anxious. Really? <laughs> oh, I think it's exciting. It the, is, but I'm also like... <laughs> the problem with it is it's more exciting than we are. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, today we have a really cool interview that we're going to share with you, but we have a confession to make. Oh, man. So we actually did this interview right in the middle of when all of this stuff happened to all of us. Jason's outage started, and my job ended up changing, and Carrie's surgery came up. And uh, so we recorded this interview intending to immediately begin season four, and then all of this life stuff happened. And so we've kind of had to delay releasing this interview. So if you hear anything in the interview that sounds like it was a few weeks ago, it's because it was a few months ago. Yeah, months ago. (laughs) But this is a super cool interview that we are actually, we were so excited to be able to, to, to do this. Yeah, this has been on our wish list for a while. Yeah. Doing this one. So we got to interview Adam Serling, and a lot of you probably have no idea who he is. But you do. If you've ever LARPed, particularly if you've LARPed in a World of Darkness game, uh, you've used Grapevine to track characters. And Adam is the gentleman that created it uh, like 20 years ago. So here we go. Adam, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. You created Grapevine in the late 90s. I entered school in uh, 1996 in the Rochester Institute of Technology in Rochester, New York. And I was a little baby geek there. (laughs) And I fell in with uh, some friends and my best friend. There was a big there was a big vampire LARP there. I fell in with some guys who uh, wanted to start their own. That is what introduced me to LARP. I I played a... uh, Episcopalian priest Toreador <laughs> and they they needed help to keep track of the, the the all the data that was going into it and I was a computer science student and I so I just started poking around and and making something small uh that would help them out it didn't start as a character database at all really uh, it, it started as a program to manage rumors and influence use oh that's mm. interesting because that was kind of the focus of the of driving these these games at the time, and they just needed a, a database system to coordinate all of that. Right, uh, and that, so that's where the name that's where the name Grapevine comes from. 
Okay, actually, hearing all of these rumors through the grapevine. That actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that, that was actually the question I was going to ask. <laughs> Why is it called grapevine? <laughs> if you've never, if you've never played an old Laws of the Night or Laws of the Wild game like the original Mind's Eye Theater, uh, part of the character sheets involved having you would have dots basically or levels of basically like rumors. You know, like you might hear transportation rumors or police rumors, right? Or, yeah, streetwise street rumors. You know, mm-hmm. and and storytellers would have to determine a rumor for each level of each of like the twelve categories that there were. And if you didn't have that somehow matched up to what levels all of your characters in your game had, writing those rumors and distributing them—I mean, that's actually it was a huge chore. Mm-hmm. And so I just conspired with my storytellers and said, Hey, I could write a little bit of something to make this a little easier on you. What features would you like? (laughs) And so that started, uh, in, in, you know, probably 1997 because I didn't really start playing the game until, uh, until then. Uh, and, uh, just kind of developed quietly, uh, over the next couple of years, until uh, in 1999, I had a product where I realized, hey, this is something that I could put on uh, my my web page, my school web page, <laughs> and make it available to everybody. And and it's funny too because you know 1999 it was a time when not everybody could just have a web page. You know, we we take it for <laughs> right. granted now, but but that was like that was a it's, big it's deal. It's so weird to think of. <laughs> it's so weird because it, it's like it's so far back. It's like the year after Google was founded, and <laughs> it's it's so crazy to think that this that this that this program uh, I, I I made has has survived for over twenty years and is still and used, is still in use, <laughs> and still works on. On people's Windows computers, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember the very first time I found out that you wrote Grapevine. I had role played with you for probably two, a couple of years in, uh, you know, in the LARP mm-hmm. org that we were a part of. And one day, someone said I was having trouble with something, or I don't know. And they said, "Well, why don't you ask Adam? You know, he wrote it." And I was like. Oh my gosh, I'm LARPing with a celebrity. <laughs> but, but, you know, in back in those days, back in those days, uh, but back in those days, like the idea that it had, it was a, it looked like a professional product with a website. And so it felt like uh, a lot more than I, I think what it actually was. It was really kind of a badge of honor to be like, I've I've LARPed with the guy who wrote Grapevine. We've actually told that to people and everyone's <laughs> like, what? And I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. people. There's only so many LARPers. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> right. And I got a lot of that, which was always really flattering and also kind of weird. Right. <laughs> uh, but but it was fun. And I, I tried not to. Uh, I, I, I always tried to not to leverage that too much. I, at least I feel like I did. I didn't walk into LARPs and be like, hey, all guess who I am. But, but I was in contact with with all as I developed it out. I released the third version of it in 2003. I was taking uh, user feedback uh, on on developing new features from that all the time. So I was I was constantly emailing, you know, LARPers all over the place. So, so I, I, I felt like I 
could have walked into a LARP almost anywhere on the planet and be, and cause people were offering me their couches. They were like, <laughs> conclude any, any, uh, exchange and they'd say oh and you know if you're ever in our area this is our larp and this is when we run and if you want to sleep on our couch while you come play our game please do it <laughs> did you ever take anyone up on that i didn't i didn't really because i'm i've never been a, 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 a I'm, I'm kind of a homebody i don't I, I was never a big traveler to go around the country to play a whole lot of games <laughs> so I, I i had this i had this perk i had this privilege and i never really capitalized on it do you ever look back and think i could have made a fortune on this <laughs> well uh there's not no uh because <laughs> and that actually figured that figured a lot into the early existence of grapevine a lot because 1999 uh you know through the early 2000s that was you know the year of napster Right. Um, and I knew my friends and they were all, we were, we were all poor college students. Uh, so in, in the first place I figured, well, I have to release, if I release what I, I've done, it's going to be for free because nobody's going to pay for it. And if they would pay for it, they'd just kind of pass it around and I wouldn't get paid anyway. Sure. So I might as well make it free. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was also the legal questions. Right, because you didn't work for White Wolf. I did not work for White Wolf. Uh, the program and all the data in it was totally based on their stuff that was copyrighted and trademarked in a dozen different ways. Right. So I wasn't, and I didn't have a lawyer to walk me through about whether, you know, what the legality really was. So I just didn't want to draw any scrutiny. Sure. So I made it free. <laughs> So it went live on the internet like in 99, you said. Um, and at mm -hmm. some point, you, you did say earlier, though, that eventually it be, did become part of a school project. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, and th uh, that's really not a crazy story. It, oh. was, uh, <laughs> it, it was in the, <laughs> uh, in the transition from version two to version three. Version two uh, was in a older – I wrote it in a language called Visual Basic – <laughs> it was a Microsoft language, uh, and it was it was kind of the, uh, a mass market, popular programming language that was easy to use. I had learned how to program in in Visual Basic when I was in high school, so I wasn't so so I could uh, you know launch right into making this thing in my freshman year because I was using this software I already knew. Right. Uh, a couple years on, the code base was getting old and 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 crumbly and fragile and brittle it's harder and harder to add new stuff to it uh, plus uh, i had stayed at rit to earn my master's in computer science and i needed a master's project so i just kind of looked back at all this work i had done for uh, all this work i needed to do for grapevine and thought okay what if i sell this to my faculty advisors as my master's project <laughs> uh, i will I will not only refactor all of this for uh, for in, into the latest version of Visual Basic. I will I will refactor the file formats into the XML file formats, but I'll document the structure of this refactoring because this is a thing that happens in software development all the time. People have to take old software and port all of the functions into something new that works. So uh, that was my master's project <laughs> and, and it worked. <laughs> you got your master's. So. <laughs> it did what it had to do. <laughs> I love that. See, you say that, that that's nothing. I love that that 
that that's a piece of the story. Well, I love it when gamers are able to take yeah. game stuff and put it in real life. And like, you know, I use this for my degree or, or when people put uh, DMing in the resume. Mm-hmm, like, right. I love that. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Sure. At what point did you kind of figure out this was being used a lot? Because <laughs> it's it started at um, one game and it started pretty local, yeah, right? And yeah. then at some point, somebody heard about it, found it on your website, and and word started to get out and you it know, started to spread. Yeah, I never I never really thought about it too much. This was, I mean, it was the early internet, so Google had just been started, and their search engine had been around for a few years before. Google had been founded. Right. But this, so there, this was when in the age of the early age of search engines. So if you if you did a search for LARP, uh, my page was starting to show up right at near the top of those results. <laughs> uh, and but by and large, it it spread by word of mouth uh, and people would email me. And because it was my Web page made it totally clear that this is a project in development. And especially between versions two and three, I was like iteratively adding new features to it all the time. And I, and I was clear, I was like documenting this process on my webpage. And so it was pretty clear. All you had to do if you wanted to see something in Grapevine was just email me and I would probably put it in. (laughs) So I began getting more and more and more of those emails. And then somebody said, Hey, uh, could you, I, I see you've listed a few of these LARPs. Can you add me to your list? And so the early website, uh, Grapevine website, uh, at the height of it, had a list of about 250 different LARPs of people who had contacted me and said, hey, I use Grapevine. Here's some things I want in it. Put me on your list. That's amazing. <laughs> Those are only the games I know about because they emailed me. <laughs> and I, I still wonder, you know, how many games were out there using it that never reached out. Right. Well, there was certainly a time, um, you know, at, at some point, the organized LARPs caught wind of it, um, you know, for a while, mm-hmm. you know, what, I know that it was in, that it was used pretty exclusively by One World by Night for many years. I, I think that the cam, they were the Camarilla at that time, but uh, I believe that they, mm-hmm. u- they used it for a while. Eventually, I know they went to just spreadsheets, but they used it for a while. And I know TGN, the Guru Nation, used it exclusively mm-hmm. for the most part. And, and a lot of them still do for their old World of Darkness games. I've even seen some people who ported the BNS system into it. It's not oh, super really? common, but it is. It exists. Mm-hmm. Well, because at the end of the day, it's still attribute skills. Because I used to didn't have to realize that how much of that you could edit. All they had to do is go back in and edit that and change the names to like strength times five instead of, or mental times ten or oh. You know, it's, it's really just a little bit of editing the database. It's not that yeah. big of a change. And that was uh, that goes to some of the design goals I had when I designed Grapevine in the first place, because uh, I the little LARP, the little vampire LARP I started in, we had our share of house rules and the like. And so when I started making the program and, and uh, designing it to put people's characters in, there was the temptation to like hard code these rules are about, you know, well, if your generation is this, then your blood is that and your willpower <laughs> is this and like put in all those rules programmatically. So it would do that work for you. But uh, I, I, I realized when thinking about the, the our house rules that 
we just needed more flexibility than that. Right. And that if other people wanted to do that, other games would want more flexibility than that. So I just made it a design goal to make it as flexible as possible that whatever was in there was something that could be edited and changed. I've seen people run uh, like original games that were not even World of Darkness, where they completely reskinned Grapevine to just be whatever they needed it to be. And that's really an amazing testament to the piece of software you built, Uh, particularly given that it was that long ago. (laughs) Mm. It's really cool. Yeah, I I wrote a kind of a scripting language so that you can go into the character sheets. Uh, There are templates in uh, the rich text format, which is an old Microsoft uh, word processing format that was that was easy to use at the time. Uh, But uh, embedded in those templates is basically a scripting language that lets you iterate through all of these lists on these character sheets and and uh, dump the contents out into a format that works for your game. Yeah, I had several friends who would run their own grapevine for their just for their own character. And one of the things they would do is they would go back in and add the descriptions from the book from each one of their abilities and Mm. all of the rules for each one of their uh, disciplines. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not something that made sense to do on the greater database for lots of reasons, but Mm. on their own sheets, it, it simplified a lot of things for them. So I'm just saying that's amazing that you have the level of flexibility in a program like that. I think it's 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 one of the only reasons that uh, one of the main reasons that it it was popular and was did was able to take off is that uh, you could make it what you needed to needed it to be. And it was international. Do you do you know the farthest away place that you found out was using it? Do you recall? Um, there I recall there were a couple games in Australia, a couple in Scotland, Denmark, France, Spain, Brazil, a couple in Brazil. <laughs> Canada. Um, there was one in Japan, one in Tokyo. That's far. Probably <laughs> about, about, you know, 12 to 20 international games at a, wow. uh, in, my, in my big list at the height of it. You're kind of the original LARP famous. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was super neat to experience. Like, like I said, it was really flattering to... Uh, to walk into a game. I didn't travel much, but I, I did a little bit. Uh, and usually I would be with somebody else and, and they would name drop me and they, you know, they'd put their elbow into somebody else's side and said, did you know that this guy is the one who wrote grapevine <laughs> uh, and, you know, hanging on to my LARP fame, getting their share of it. But, uh, it was, it was flattering. It was fun and it felt good. It felt really good to, feel like uh, I had created something that made these games work. Right. You know, because <laughs> pardon my saying so, but Mind's Eye Theater is awful to administrate. <laughs> yes, it oh, is. Oh, gosh. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> <sighs> so uh, we so the system needed a grapevine and I was I was very uh, honored to have been able to fill into that that step into that space. Well, I don't know how y'all get it done without, without a program like this. <laughs> we wouldn't have. We, yeah, no way. <laughs> in fact, with the new By Night Studios stuff, there are still some, I mean, they don't have the rumors and influence like, like old, the old stuff did, but uh, there are still some elements to it that no org that's running the new BNS stuff has 
built software to handle yet. I was part of uh, Underground Theater, and and they've they've got a database as well that's sort of built in the mm-hmm. cloud. And uh, there are some things about it that are really really awesome, but but it's also as a storyteller, it doesn't have half the administrative power that Grapevine had. Yeah, and uh, some of that administrative power, there's uh, uh, Grapevine really got its uh, became what it was because it people needed a character database uh, to track people's characters and put experience points on people's characters. And pretty much like 99% of the use of the program was for that. Right. Uh, but during that development period, when I was going back and forth with users and adding all of these ideas, there's like, I put so much stuff into the program. It's like plot workflow <laughs> to, uh, to to take users' downtimes and feed that into plots and have those plots feed into rumors and create this cycle. Um, and and nobody ever used it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because nobody understood it. It was so – it's because it was – <laughs> a, a failing of it. I, I, this was, I, I should have like made – how-to videos and put them on whatever early YouTube was. (laughs) I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know that it was necessarily that the software was too hard to understand as it was just that the, the methodology of the mechanics in the book were already complex enough for administrating Mm -hmm. those things that then when you also add in the mechanics of the software, it just, people get lost. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was there ever something that you always dreamed of adding to to the program that you just never got to? I, I would have liked to have made it easier to uh, create your own character, like the essential types. Uh, that is, the, the essential types of character were are hard coded to vampire, werewolf, mortal, and all the rest. Um, uh, and that was that was just uh, one place where. Uh, you know, at the time, I didn't have the time and skill to make it fully flexible in that regard. So I, I think if, if there were any, one feature that would have that lots of people would have been able to use uh, that I never put in, it would have been to, you know, make your make your Highlanders <laughs> or your <laughs> or your superheroes or, or whatever other kind of crazy character you want to, to uh, customize in the LARP. And at that point, if, if I had gone that far, it might have been just a full-featured generic character sheet right. management pro- program because you could have done anything with it. And we forget too, but you know, the storyteller system, which was what World of Darkness kind of called their mechanics, you know, they, they had like adventure, you know, the game adventure, which was like mm-hmm. Indiana Jones mm-hmm. uh, and they had aberrant. And, and you- they had Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh but, yeah, Street Fighter. Yeah. So I mean, you really could have done, you know, if you with that flexibility, you really could have played anything, you know, using that system. Oh, LARP Street Fighter. Right. <laughs> and I got requests for that kind of thing. Like, uh, like there were people saying like, "How do I make this in the in, in your program? How do I do that?" And uh in the end, uh after I reached a point where I really wasn't adding th- anything more major to it, I mostly had to say, well, here's how you customize the character sheets. Um, what you want to do can probably done, be done in the mortal template, uh, or you can just use one of these others. Uh, <laughs> try to use these other customizations to make what you need. Right. At what point did you decide to, to stop, you know, working on this project? 
Um, well, uh, it had reached a pretty stable point uh, after 2003, after I released the version three of the software. I, I don't remember the exact timeline for when White Wolf uh, kind of closed down its all of its lines and tried to relaunch everything. Right. But they had done that. And I was going through some of the new material, and th- and and I, I had I had started the the next version of Grapevine. I was I was looking at okay, this is what I need to do. This is how I can, this is what I can bring over. This is what I need to retrofit. Um, but as I was as I was developing it, going through the new material, because uh, we were all still playing the the old stuff. We were right. we were playing Werewolf. It was called Chronicles of Darkness at the time, but as I recall, like when the when those LARP books came out, they were not mm-hmm. uh, they were not received no, like I, at I, all. I, yeah, I say they weren't received because to say they were not well received would imply that people hated them. But the truth is, mm-hmm. people people were actually just not interested. Like it wasn't that anybody despised it or disliked mm-hmm. it. It was just like, look, those books are out. Eh, we're good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I really like what they did with Vampire the Requiem. I think a lot of the changes they made there were were, were really interesting and mm-hmm. and exciting. Uh, I did not like what they did with uh, Werewolf the Forsaken. Right, did did not like that direction at all. So I was going through the new material and. Uh, I wasn't connecting to it very strongly and nobody I knew was connecting to it very strongly. So the passion, cause it really, Grapevine took a lot of passion, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of, I, I spent a lot of time programming it, just kind of imagining what people would do with it, imagining the, the games and the stories and the characters that, that would flow out of this tool. Um, and I wasn't able to do that with the, with the new games. Um, so, so at that point I realized that, uh, that the development of Grapevine was over. Um, and, and I, uh, at that point decided, uh, that, uh, there were always incremental things that maybe people would want to do with it, uh, and things that people would want to add, but, uh, the, the, the steam, the, the, the passion had gone out of the project. And so I uh, decided, okay, so if people want to work with this, I will just put all the roof source code on the internet. Uh, here's, here's all the files I use to make the program. And if you, if all y'all want to add anything to it, go nuts. If you want to just look at my stuff and build something new on top of it, there you go. <laughs> so that's the direction I took in, uh, December, 2005. And, and is that the same time? Is that when you basically kind of stopped supporting the project too, from a, a tech support ish kind of way? Um, I was never, uh, I, I was never afraid to like answer questions right. uh, and, and help people with you know, my, you know, this file isn't working. I'm trying to do this. How can I, how can I make that work? I continued to do that kind of thing. Uh, but over time that just trickled off, trickled off, trickled off. And, uh, and, uh, nowadays, um, it's done. So that, that might have to do with the fact that I changed email addresses, too. but that was later. <laughs> right. But you can still go to grapevinelarp.com and download the software. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, hosting, hosting space for the, the download site is generously provided by One World by Night. Made, I just slapped up a very basic page with all the links and I've let it sit. Have you ever looked at any of the, the data on like 
just how often it's downloaded these days? I, I have looked at the data. I don't have it in front of me, so I can't really put specifics to it. But it was always it's always large. I mean, it's really? always surprising that how much it's being downloaded. And I don't know enough about uh, uh, about the way like search engines and stuff work. I, I, I can only imagine that some of this data has to be search engines just pulling it down, <laughs> pulling down the files and caching them uh, because I'm not hearing about it very much anymore. Right. I'm not getting a whole lot of users asking for tech support these days. You so, might now. Uh, <laughs> I guess I might. I don't know. The secret's out. <laughs> you email is... You can reach Adam at. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's really incredible that that just this thing you made became so huge. And I'm curious, did White Wolf ever reach out to you? Did you ever hear what what the company actually thought of it? Yeah, uh, I never really did. They never reached out to me at one point. Late in the project, uh, I, I decided I wanted to see if I could make a little bit of money on it. I wanted to put a donate button right on the website. Uh, I think I think the donate button collected like like maybe twenty bucks. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but I did re- I did reach out to White Wolf. I got in touch with Pete Woodworth, who was kind of the front facing to the fan community at the time. He's also the guy who wrote the Changeling, the Dreaming LARP rules. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and I had a exchange with him to basically clear it with white wolf that it would be okay for me to, uh, put this donate button on as long as I wasn't charging anything for it. Uh, so I, I, but that was as close to legitimate as it ever got. I never really heard from, uh, from anybody, uh, at the company, uh, one way or the other. And so I suppose if any uh, white wolf people, former white wolf people are out there, Listening to this, I'm still curious. I'm still curious about the development of Mind's Eye Theater and whether and and, you know how Grapevine figured into the the product line when uh, if if at all it did. So I'm used to playing Chattanooga, and Mm -hmm. a lot of the people from Atlanta were White Wolf employees who would come up and visit our games at least four or five times a year, and they all used Grapevine. Yeah, and, I mean, mm-hmm. they had talked about using Grapevine. It, it it never occurred to me that at no point they talked to you about it. That's that's bizarre. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm wondering about this. Might sound a little egotistical. No, but I'm not trying to sound that way. But uh, I, I do wonder uh, if you know, did Grapevine extend the life of Mind's Eye Theater? I, at I, the very least, it made it a lot easier for people in late stages to to use. You know, to play the games mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I was playing them in around the 99 period. And like you were talking about with the, the, the rumors and things like that, a lot of stuff people just didn't do because it was too complicated. But then you found people who are using Grapevine or sometimes other databases, but a lot of times Grapevine who did do all that stuff. And that's how they were able to do it. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I fell in love with Ryan and Carrie's game is because they were using a lot of the tools on Grapevine, like the Rumors and Influence system that's mm-hmm. built into it. Uh, so it was one of the first times, and this is 10 years after I started playing, really, that I'm playing in a game where people are using all those functions and it makes the game way better. So I, I don't know if it explicitly extended life, but I know that it made the games in that late stage better. Uh-huh, uh So Ryan and Carrie, you guys... You guys actually use the rumors and influence system? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I got I got so I got so little feedback of people who were actually <laughs> using that part of the program. How did you use it? How did it work? Did it go well? <laughs> it was fantastic. It's it's funny because more than more than anything, uh, we also so we also ran uh, some by, a by night studio LARP. So we ran a vampire BNS game for about five years, and uh, and one of the huge things that we found that really. Uh, sucks about the it's it's the one huge drawback of the bns system is they've done away with rumors and influence and i think it's because Mm -hmm. of the difficulty of managing that um and so those things aren't aren't in there at all and so i notice more the lack of it in the new game than i did how powerful it was in the originally so in our ST meetings, when we were using Grapevine, hmm. my biggest frustration was always, how do I write rumors mm-hmm. for transportation? Because like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like the roads suck, you know, like, it, like, and so it was always very funny because like in our ST meetings, that was like this running joke because we couldn't figure out what to write for trans. And of course, you always had one uh-huh. person who was like, I'm playing a glass walker. I've got five and everything. I'm a huge jerks. But when we started right. running the BNS and would have our ST meetings, I'd be like, I'll write rumors for transportation. Let me go back. <laughs> I was like, can we just figure out a way of doing rumors again, please? I don't know how to tell my players what's plots, going on, what's going on yeah. without this. Yeah, I mm-hmm, think rumors, mm-hmm. rumors are integral for getting plot to your characters and for getting, I, I think, just setting the tone yeah. of the city that you're you're playing in and it's it's baffling that that it's gone um but we loved the fact that with with grapevine you were able to just enter them all and then it would populate them on all the you know create rumor sheets uh and and you didn't have to flip Mm -hmm. through booklets of character sheets to see who had what level and all those things and so it was so that was like fantastic so yeah we we loved it Mm mm-hmm yeah, for all the for all the failings of the Mind's Eye Theater systems, game systems in general, the 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 idea of rumors, the influences in rumors, uh, I think really did work on an exciting level for making a political kind of game. Yeah, uh, and and really, frankly, influence has influenced me and my thinking about. Uh, these kind of LARPs. And then, you know, when I tried to design LARPs these days, uh, it still has a mark on me because I, I like the sense of uh, a, a, a real moving, changing world out there. Right. That, that system creates. One of the great things about a LARP uh, that makes LARPs, particularly parlor LARPs really kind of special is that when you do it right, the city is also a character mm-hmm. along with all mm-hmm. of your PCs and NPCs. Um, and that's what that rumor system really enabled you to do that. Mm. Yes, I agree. So I'm happy that it worked so well for you guys. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that it achieved, that it achieved its objective. <laughs> and it, it apparently worked so well for uh, everyone in the world who ever LARPed uh, <laughs> world of darkness because <laughs> it is everywhere. After 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 being after being in LARP, the Mind's Eye Theater LARPs for nearly twenty years, and uh, working with uh, the rules and the systems for this long, and and for for the uh, Twin Cities Werewolf LARP, which like had like over a hundred players on the books at times, uh, I was I was uh, running the character sheets and administration for right. many years. 
I did come to kind of despise a lot of it, (laughs) (laughs) which is the big irony at the end of the story (laughs) is that I love all of the stories and all of the fun and all of this uh, drama and excitement that Mind's Eye Theater brought me over nearly 20 years of play. Uh, And now I just can't look at it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the, the three of us, the three of us are, are going through a very similar kind of, uh, um, you know, there are, there are some problems with world of darkness and, and the types of players that it, it encourages, encourages and things. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it is not, it's not so simple anymore. Well, I think th- I think a lot of it is the older I get, the less tolerant I am. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> get off my ideological lawn. Exactly. <laughs> you you said that you've started to to look into designing LARPs now. Is this is this where your hobby is taking you? Indeed, this is where my hobby is taking me at the moment, uh, and I'm I'm. Uh, very excited to share some of these I, these things publicly for the first time on your very podcast. Ooh. It's a scoop. Yeah. <laughs> it's a scoop. <laughs> it is. No, uh, I, I've spent a lot of my uh, pandemic creative time uh, working on uh, a game I ca- call Story Wild. The elevator pitch is that Story Wild is an urban fantasy game inspired by graphic novels like uh, Bill Willingham's Fables. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Story Wild is an urban fantasy game uh, where the characters of myth and fiction strive to discover themselves and form community on present-day Earth. Uh, the system is all consent-based freeform until you throw down to resolve a scene in three acts with shifting directors. I'm assuming that players play the, the mythic characters, typically? Yes, uh, okay. you, you are the characters of myth and legend and fiction. Uh, you, you've stepped out of uh, the story wild. You've escaped because uh, the, the, the story wild is kind of the churning world of humans' collective unconscious. But stories, they're always telling you who to who to be. They're t- the stories tell you who you are and you want to escape that. So you've fought your way free. And so you could you can be, you know, the the compassionate uh, Captain Hook. You can be the villainous Cinderella. You can uh, you, you take these classic characters and you put your twist on them. And so it's a game that's very much about identity, about taking elements of story uh, and constructing yourself out of those elements. Uh, and so I'm excited to see uh, to, to see how it works uh, in my playtest. Uh, my dream is to uh, playtest it a few more times, especially you know once we can all gather in person <laughs> once again, because <laughs> it's very much modeled on my. Ex- experience with uh with mind's eye theater parlor larp right uh in that uh i want to capture that sense of just this big community with all of these stories coming together clashing together creating new stories and spinning them off um uh, but uh system wise i'm excited because it has a lot more in common with with consent-based or nordic larp forms 
which uh, I, I think you guys uh, talked to the, one of the founders of Learn LARP. Yes. Um, the New World Magiscola people. Mm-hmm. So system system wise, it has more in common with that. Okay. Right. It's not, it's not completely, you know, that's not completely hands off free form, but it's it's crafted with a whole lot of improv theater principles in mind. Right. So I don't know. I'm in. I, I have high hopes, um, <laughs> and and time will tell. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I like the fact that I'm just as intrigued about the the universe and the challenges that that you've got going on there as I am about uh, the unique mechanics. Uh, I will be happy to uh, give you guys a further sneak peek into it if you guys want. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love that. If, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and I do have uh, I, I have put up a kind of a placeholder website f- right now. It's uh, storywildgame.com. Uh, it just has a, you know, a couple short blurbs and a place where you can get on a mailing list to uh, hear developments as they develop. That's fantastic. Is the goal to eventually like publish this as a book or are you going to just do yes, it as a the PDF? Dream, the dream is to kickstart it. Yay. Um, uh, and uh, it, that's not something I've done before, but uh, I'm excited for the possibilities. I'm learning about what that takes. Sure. Uh, and I have done my own like self-published little LARP systems in the past, <laughs> working with uh, print-on-demand right. publishers. You know, it, it could it could end up as a full-fledged kickstarted product that I get to demonstrate at Gen Con, or it could end up at a P- as a PDF. I don't know. It's kind of early in the process, but uh, I'm excited about it. And that's that's you know that's creative energy, right? Yeah, it's hey, fantastic. Covered with the potential, and right now it's at that. It's the, this idea is at that point where it just feels like it's bursting with potential. And so I'm excited. <laughs> that's wonderful. It sounds great. The well, website for your game looks beautiful. I mean, thank you. I know it's just a placeholder, but it is perfectly designed. Thank you. The the tools these days make it so much easier than when I uh, hand coded <laughs> everything in HTML for my Grapevine website. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you end up doing? You went to to school for uh, you know for programming and stuff. Did you did you ever end up doing mm-hmm. doing program for a living for a while? Yeah, uh, I after uh, I graduated, I uh, I hung around in the college town until I ran out of money, and then mm-hmm. I left, and I was so sad because I was leaving all my LARP friends behind. <laughs> <laughs> But then I came back here to Minnesota uh, and uh, the Twin Cities area, and I uh, found new LARP friends, and uh, I got a job here uh, with Wells Fargo, and I did uh, boring business systems programming for (laughs) 11 years. (laughs) Uh, And uh, then uh, I had a baby. So, (laughs) and... And it was like, well, I could stay working at this job I really don't love, or I could take I could take a leap of faith. Yep. And uh, do the stay-at-home dad thing for a while, and then see what happens next. Well, I think that being so, uh, no regrets about that. Carrie and I have actually recently decided to not have kids, <laughs> but we've got to figure out we have to figure out how to tell Dakota. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to, to, to pitch or promote or tell, say to anybody? Story Wild Game. 
Storywildgame.com. Storywildgame.com. All right. So storywildgame.com is where you can go and sign up to, to get bulletins and stuff on this. Yeah, I'd love I, I'd I will be happy to uh, provide all y'all the results of my first play test when I uh, do all that next week. Yeah, and you should record it and send it to us, and then we might put it up as a podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think it's going to be a little rough. I think it's going to be a little rough (laughs) for that. Well, I, you haven't heard our podcast. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. You guys, let me let me tell you, in leading up to this, I've been listening to a lot of your back episodes, and I am impressed. I love this show. You guys do a great job. Aww, well, you're thank the you. first person we've interviewed that's listened to us. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you should like, who are you again? <laughs> when you get ready to kickstart Story Wild, let us know and come back on and let's let's talk about the game. You know, by great. then it'll it'll be a lot more fleshed out and ready to go by then I'm, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll have lots of questions and you'll have a lot of, a lot more answers and and we'll we'll see if we can't let people know that that it's it's on Kickstarter. Oh, oh wait. He needs to run a game for us. <laughs> Jason, you're <Pardon>? the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sure, that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Adam's like, "I got to so, go." Well, we really appreciate you joining us, Adam, and telling us the story of Grapevine because it's uh, it's it is really interesting. And uh, Grapevine was so huge and such a big part of uh, of of our gaming story yeah. that that it's neat to hear the story of of Grapevine and and how you know you made that happen. And so I will say this is going to sound really cheesy, but it's true on behalf of everyone who has ever LARPed World of Darkness. <laughs> thank you yes. for for making this thing that was so huge and helpful and awesome because it it really uh, you know it, it still is today the the character database by which character databases are are judged uh and and that's it's crazy and awesome it was a labor of love and i don't regret a moment of it so it's been an honor to have served the larp community (laughs) (laughs) adam serling thank you very much for joining us again storywildgame.com is where you can go and find out about the larp that he's creating and hopefully we'll have him back when that's ready to go uh on kickstarter thank you thank you adam all right let's go to game wrap Welcome to Game Wrap. That was pretty awesome. Uh, pretty awesome interview. Yeah. That's kind of the end. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash honor roll podcast. Of course, we've got a Facebook group too for honor roll podcast. We have a Discord. A Discord. I'm very excited. Honor roll. And you can find us on Twitter at honor roll podcast. And you can find us. Uh, of course, Spotify and Apple, iTunes, podcastiness stuff, mm-hmm. and anywhere else that you might find stuff that you listen to. All right, Carrie, it's time to give out experience points. It is time to give it out, out experience points, and that is my job this season. I'm very, very excited I about know. my experience. All right, so we are going to give each of you for a good effort of a first episode of season four, 300 XP. Ooh. Whoa. I'm going to mark, mark that on my sheet. Yeah, make sure you mark it on your sheet, because I'm not keeping track of this. Okay. But I'll know if you cheat. All right. And then we're also going to be rolling on the random encounter oh. chart. What do I encounter? Oh, no. Ryan, you encounter living toast plus one pad butter. 
Oh mm. my! Oh my goodness! My understanding is if you if you kill it, you're rewarded with a whole bunch of dough. Okay, first of all, now you have <laughs> 200 XP, and <laughs> you don't get dough; you get high cholesterol. Fair. From the uh, butter. Uh, it could right. have been a flaming carrot. That's much cooler. Right. <laughs> flaming carrot is like one of my favorite comic books. It's so good. All right, anyway. and then Jason. Oh, you encounter a one-eyed beholder. A one-eyed beholder? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm. I poke him in the eye. That's not nice. <laughs> no, I know. Mm. Well, he's beholding me. Maybe it I feel was, beholden to him Maybe now. it was a nice beholding. Maybe he was just admiring you. This is mm. how you make enemies, Jason. Well, it is one of the ways I make enemies. You're right. You poke people in the eye? <laughs> Well, attack first, ask questions later. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that ends our show. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for season four. Just so everybody knows, next week, join us again when we're talking about the exciting topic of the fact that when you buy an apple at the grocery store, it could actually be more than a year old. Until next Ew. time, I'm Ryan the Curmudgeon. Joining me, as always, was Carrie the Legend and Jason the Favorite. Why would you tell us that? Until then, remember... Good. The only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun. Have fun. Ooh. The only way to win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on the road again. Tabletop, lock, mush, and everything in between. The only way I win is to have fun with my friends. I'm on the road again. Tabletop, lock, mush, and everything in between.